Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, it was the it was the lead singer of the infamous 60s rock group, The Doors, who once said, Expose yourself to your deepest fear. After that, you are free. How's that? Yeah, it was Jim Morrison who did was the lead singer of The Doors. He penned this, which I thought was very profound. He said, Expose yourself to your deepest fear. After that, dot, 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 you are free. And, and so when I read this quote, I thought, man, that's, that's really profound. Not only in our day, but in the day back in the life of the disciples. You go, how so? Well, listen, Jesus has been trying to communicate to his disciples that he's going to die. He's going to die. In a few short hours, he's going to be what, arrested in the garden. He's going to be taken. He's going to be beaten, and he's going to die on the cross. He's trying to communicate this as best he can to the disciples, and he's trying to communicate that he's going to resurrect on the third day. He's trying to communicate that in 40 days after that, he's going to actually ascend to heaven. That's what he is trying to do. He's trying to communicate to his disciples that, hey, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He calls it the helper. We know in the Greek it's the parakletos. It's the helper, the comforter. I'm going to send him so you guys are not alone. I'm going to send them so he can help comfort your fears. Your fears. You see, this would provide a new freedom for all those who believe. Guys, because listen to what Jesus says, right? In talking to his disciples, he tells us in verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. Now, you've got to put yourself in the disciples' shoes. They're going, what? Go away? You're kidding. You can't, don't. And he says, it's to your advantage. Now, how would you like it if somebody who you love very much said, hey, it's your best, it's into your advantage that I leave. You're like, no, that's not how this thing works. And Jesus says that and. And he says, but listen, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, if I depart, I will send him to you. Now jump over to verse 12 real quick. Jesus is still talking to them. And he says, I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. I can't bear them now. And again, here's what I want you to do, church. I want you to feel the weight of these verses, putting yourself in the disciples' sandals. Um, I mean, think about this. Here's what Jesus is saying in verse 6. He said, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now, labor with me for just a moment, okay? Here's the night we've had so far, okay? Here's the night. Like, we, like if we were to do a holy huddle with the disciples, here's the night we've had, right? The next morning you're going, this is the night. Think about it. Here's what's going on so far. It all started in the upper room. We thought we were just going to do a normal Passover meal. We thought, hey, this is it. It's the Passover. We do this all the time. That's how it started. It was pretty good. And then things got kind of strange. You go, how so? Well, then our Messiah, the Lord Jesus, the one who is God, got up from the table and he took the form of a lowest servant and he began to wash our feet and this blew us away. Why? Because for the last three years, he's been teaching us that we need to be servants and now he gets down and he actually shows us that example. We're like, whoa, wait a minute, this was rough, right? And so he washed our feet and we're just kind of perplexed about this. And the lesson he wanted to communicate to us first and foremost was that we need to be ready to forgive. 
Forgiveness should be a part of our vocabulary. We should know how to forgive. Now, I understand there are some things in your life that are super hard and difficult and extremely painful to forgive. I get that. But the process of forgiveness should be at the place where we see the person who hurt us through the eyes of Jesus. That should at least be the process of forgiveness. God, I know I can't, says Corey Tim Boom, but you can through me. He also taught us service, service. He said, listen, I want you guys to be servant. He came down in all of Mark is about being a servant and, and how that should transpire to us, how we should be the one washing people's feet, how we should be the one out serving our community, how we should be one serving the body of Christ. What can I do, pastor? You don't understand. God has done so much for me. What can I do? And that's how service should be. And then he taught us about love. And the one thing he taught us about love, guys, is that we have to love the unlovable. It's not just, though, it's easy for me to love the lovable. It's easy. It is so natural to love all of you who are lovable. But the unlovable, that's hard. That's a whole nother story. You want me to love somebody that, oh, I just want to take their head and pull their ears off. You need to love them. I'll love them, all right. Watch this. And, And God says, no, 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 you need to do that. You need to love them. Why? It's so important for us to love because that's what God has called us to do. That's what he's teaching. So, okay, we get it, Ben. We get it. We get it. We get it. And after we all felt uncomfortable, can I get an amen? Jesus drops a bomb on us. What did he do? He told us that one of us is going to betray him. Now, to the disciples, but to us, think about that. Think about that. We're going, well, I wasn't at the upper room. I didn't betray him. But I wonder how many times I betray him every day by not showing love to people. By not showing forgiveness to people. I just wonder how many times. And so I can feel the weight of what he's saying. Well, then, of course, we're sitting there and Judas gets up and he leaves. And we're all like, where's Judas going? And then Jesus tells us that he's going to be handed over to sinful men. Peter, I love Pete, he verbalizes what we're all thinking. He says, Lord, we would, I'm going to die for you. To which Jesus said, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times, Peter. Three times. So the night was just crazy. Then we left the upper room. So now we have betrayal. We have denial. And now we're making our way to the Mount of Olives. And so what Jesus does very privately is he begins to teach us some fruitfulness. How do we have fruit? How do we bear fruit in this world? He says, abide in him. Then he talked about how the world, guys, would hate us. And how we would be social outcasts. And how the world wanted to kill us. But not to worry. He says, the helper, the Paracletos, is going to be with you, and he's going to bring peace. He's going to bring he's going to bring peace and comfort and guidance. Now, listen, listen. See, the disciples right now can feel the winds of change beginning to blow. Something's very different about this night. You see, it wasn't just a normal Passover meal where Jesus taught some profound, amazing uh, sermon or teaching. Something's different. What the disciples failed to understand at this moment, guys, was that eternal freedom they will ultimately find through the death, burial, and resurrection. You go, what do you mean? Guys, what they're doing is they're wanting to hold Jesus there. They're scared. They're afraid. I don't want my Jesus to go. Listen, we thought we were gonna, he's going to rule the kingdom. I don't know how this is all going to work, but I need you. He starts talking about that he's leaving, and now you can feel the winds of change was in the air. Something's about to go down. Now, if you're taking note, jot this down. Listen, freedom in Christ 
starts with the wind of change. Freedom in Christ starts with the wind wind of change. As we come to our lesson today, we could actually follow the advice of Jim Morrison. As we come and we expose ourselves to our deepest fear, because after that, we will be set free. Why? Because Jesus once said in John eight thirty six, if the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed. So as we come to our text, guys, the disciples need to do exactly that. They need to look, concentrate, connect, expose themselves to their deepest fear. What was their deepest fear? I think for one of them is being left alone. I mean, they're, they're really freaked out. They're being left alone. They're feeling orphaned. That's why Jesus says, I'm not leaving you orphans. You're going, man, are you serious? Think about what you've done in the last three years. If you've given up everything, you've given up your job, your dreams, your hopes, and you begin to follow this rabbi in Jerusalem, and now he's telling you he's leaving, you're feeling orphaned. You're feeling, wait a minute, what's going to go happen to me? Maybe, you're, maybe the disciples are what? They're, they're, they're afraid of dying. They're afraid of dying. Why? Because Jesus just said, he said, listen, guys, there's times they're going to kick you out of the synagogues, and when they kill you, they're going to think they're doing God's service. Now, you're all, you're all stoked to be a disciple until he started talking about dying. Hey, I'm good about being, a, let's all be, deci- whoa, what do you mean dying? What do you mean kill? I've got a family. I've got a grandbaby. I've got, I've got people who count on me, Lord. I'm not going to be much good to you if I'm dead, Lord. I mean, come on, how are we going to spread the gospel? And Maybe they're afraid about that. It's only then we can be set free, staring at the very thing that we're afraid afraid of, and embrace God's only son. That's radical change. Now, note with me, this section finishes off, again, the upper room discourse. It deals, now here's what I want you to see, it's going to deal primarily with the emotions of the disciples. And can you imagine... Can you imagine right now what the disciples are feeling? I'm thinking they're kind of crossing over the Kidron Valley, headed over to the Mount of Olives, and I bet they're confused about what Jesus was teaching. I mean, they were probably flat out afraid. They were just kind of, they were probably anxious. They were probably worrisome. They were probably talking amongst themselves, what's going to happen next? What, where, where do we go from here? And I thought, Can we relate to these guys or what? You go, what do you mean? What an encouragement to know that the guys that Jesus picked were real men with real problems. I thought, what an encouragement, right? Why? Because I think at times we look at the disciples as some super Christians that never got afraid. They never, they never doubted. They never, I mean, think about this. We, we kind of lift them up. The, the disciples, wow. But they were real men with real, and yet the Lord was able to use them in a mighty way. And I think that should be encouraging for us. Why? Because no matter how we are, right, God can use us just the way we are. I like to say warts and all. God can use us just the way we are, right? Because we can look at Scripture and go, wow, God, look at this. And I think what an encouragement. So what's next for the disciples? Real world, winds of change. Well, if you're taking note, guys, let me give you three points. Three points to glean from our text. These are points that might help us remember what Jesus is talking about. Okay, you go, number one, you're going to see truth. Jesus is going to drop a truth, a truth to grasp, a truth to process. That's the first thing we're going to see, real truth. Number two, we're going to see he's going to give us a promise. 
a promise to believe, a promise to hold. And then third, he wants to leave us with proper perspective, proper perspective. So, so within these verses, we're going to see truth, promise, and the proper perspective. We need to have the right glasses on to do life. So that's where we pick up our study in verse 16 of chapter 16. Notice what Jesus says. He says, a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. Now, that is a weighted verse. If you're not afraid to write in your Bible, that's a good verse just to underline and circle and put a star by it. You go, why? Because here within verse 16, guys, we see and we find the gospel message. The gospel message. Why? Notice what Jesus is communicating. Jesus is communicating freedom, right? Freedom through the gospel. As a matter of fact, Acts chapter 11 confirms that. Acts chapter 111 says this. Also who said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up to heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So in verse 16, notice what it says. Here's the gospel message. He says, a little while, guys, in a little bit, he says, you're going to see me, okay? In a little while, and then he says, you're not going to see me, and then you're going to see me after that, and then I'm going to go to the Father, right? What's he talking about? That's the death, burial, and resurrection all caught up. It's the gospel message. But also, too, when he says this, guys, put yourself, I want you to feel the weight. I want you to smell what's going on. I want you there. You're walking with Jesus. He says, hey, a little while, <laughs> you're not going to see me. I'm going, whoa, time out, Lord. What do you mean? He says, then you will see me. Okay, then I'm, I'm good. And then I'm going to go to the Father. Whoa, whoa, hold up, right? So, so you can tell that the winds of change are also found in this verse. Why? Up until now, Jesus went everywhere with them. He would often say, let us go, let us go, come with me, let's go. And, and, and gladly I would follow Jesus as long as I knew my leader was in within five to ten feet of me. I'm okay, but, but now, right, he's saying that there's something going to change. There's something going to change. He's going to ascend to heaven. But when he resurrects and when he ascends, guys, that changes everything. And you would say, well, how so, Ben? Well, listen, listen, guys. Think about the resurrection for just a moment. Think about this. What does the resurrection prove? What does the resurrection prove? Well, first and foremost, if you're taking note, guys, the resurrection, when Jesus dies, is buried, and comes back the third day, you and I, we celebrate that as Easter, but it's so much more than, than, than often what churches portray it to be. Guys, think about this. When he, he's proving at that point that he surely is God. What Jesus said. In fact, think about this. No greater proof exists for divine nature of Jesus Christ than rising from the dead. That is the, that is the most monumental thing that he ever did to verify that he was God. For why? Only God, guys, only God can give life, and only God can conquer death. So when he resurrected, he was alive. He was alive. It also proves the truthfulness of God's word. He said, I'm going to... Right? Didn't he just say in verse 16, you'll see me, then you're not going to see me, then you'll see me. Amen. Amen. Well, think about the ascension, guys. Think about, there was 40 days later, they ain't, everybody, all the disciples are like, whoa! And the disciples are like, why are you guys looking up at the sky? The same way you saw him, he's going to come back. Think about what that does. What's he doing right now? He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and I. 
I think he's a little bit, he's praying more for me than y'all at times. He's like, oh, there he is. There he goes again. Lord, but, but I need it. I need prayer. And that's what I love about this, right? If Jesus is up, there, up, up, up in heaven at the right hand of the Father interceding and somebody goes, hey, how can I pray for you? Don't you go, I need it. It doesn't make us weak. And if it does make us weak, then, he, then, then that's when God is strong. But when people, say, when people say, hey, what do you need? I go, prayer. Lots of prayer. Really, what's wrong? Nothing. Just a normal day. I need a lot of prayer. Do you not need a lot of prayer? Amen. To get through? Amen. Amen. So again, we see him and he's interceding for us. And his ascension means also, guys, that the sacrifice was enough and he sends his Holy Spirit to live in our hearts. To live in our hearts. See, true freedom always starts with the wind of change. Look at verse 17. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says to us a little while and you will not see me? And again, a little while and you will see me because I go to the father here. They're going, what is he talking about? Verse 18, they said, therefore, what is this that he says a little while? We do not know what he's saying. Now, Jesus knew what they desired to ask him. And he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Are you guys talking about that? Now, guys, your attention, please. Look what's going on, okay? Jesus makes this profound statement in verse 16, right? And they're somewhat confused about the gospel. And Jesus looks at them very lovingly. He says, are you all confused about what I said? Are you all confused? He says, let me give you this truth to hold on to. Let me give you this truth, okay? You guys are inquiring. He says in verse 20, here's the truth. He says, most assuredly, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you'll be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Everybody see verse 20, right? You're verse 20 with me. Here's the truth. Ready? Jot this down. This is, this is going to change you. God can bring joy into our lives by transformation, by transformation. Now, I'm going to show you this in just a second. But first, let's back up and let's see what Jesus says, okay? Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, okay, he's talking to his disciples. He says, you will weep. What does it mean to weep? Well, if you have a pencil handy, it means to wail, to sob. You're really, this is really sorrowful. He says, you're going to sob. You're going to wail aloud. And he says, and you're going to lament. What does lament mean? Lament means to mourn, to cry, to be sad. So this is not, <clears throat> this is not one tear when you see, you know, something sad on TV and you just kind of wipe your eye like this. This is really sad. He says, you're going to weep and you're going to mourn. This is deep. This is deep, heavy stuff. And, and, and what's going to happen after that? He says, guys, the world, okay, what's he talking about the world? People associated with the world system estranged from God, these people, they're going to rejoice. They're going to rejoice. You're going to be sad, right? In some circles, we call it ugly cry, right? You know what an ugly cry is? It's where you need tissue pretty quick. That's what's going on with them. And he says, but the world's going to rejoice. You go, what, is, what does rejoice mean? Well, here's the thing, guys. It's a primary verb, so we know it's an action, but it means to be cheerful, happy, and glad. I wonder if the world's going to send presents to one another. Happy and glad. They're just, they're super stoked. Wow! Think about what he said. Most assuredly, I say to you, 
that you will weep and lament. Why? Because our, our Jesus is leaving. He says, and the world is going to be stoked about that. And I wonder, back in this day, like it is in our day, that they'll be have posters and they'll have marches and they'll do parades. I wonder. Church, listen to me. If you get nothing out of this message, you know that's where our world is headed. We're headed for a world without Jesus. A world that says, I don't want God anymore. And we don't see it happening, but slowly, slowly, they're pulling from our churches back into the world. And, and I wonder if the world is rejoicing. He says, but listen, you're going to be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned. Notice what Jesus says, your sorrow will be turned into joy. Okay? If you have a pencil handy, guys, underline that word right there or circle it. You go, why? Why is this important? Okay, ready? Check it out. This is so profound. Joy does not come by substitution. It comes by transformation. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm going to give you something better. He says, no, 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 no. Here's where joy comes from. A lot of times we go, oh, I'm sad. Well, what's going to make me happy? Oh, this made me happy. And so that's substitution. Jesus says, no, I'm going to turn your what? Listen, guys, look at it. Look at it. It's so profound, man. Think about this. It says this, your sorrow will be turned into joy. Wait a minute, Lord. That sounds like that has something to do with my heart. Yeah, listen, here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. We can have joy, not by substitution, but by transformation. We can have joy by the turning of something terrible into something joyful. Okay? Sometimes fear can be so terrible, it renders us ineffective for God. But when transformation takes place, when transformation takes place, we can be set free with a joy in our own hearts in our own hearts. Think about this. It's transformation. Now you go, well, well, illustrate that, Ben. I don't have to. Jesus did it for us. Look at verse 21. He's going to illustrate this truth. He says, a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow. Another word for sorrow is pain. It's going to be painful. When a woman, uh, y'all remember that, right? It hurts. But as soon as she is given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. It's the craziest thing. That's why people have six or seven or eight kids. Because mama forgets right away the pain. That's an amazing thing. Why? Because, listen, listen, guys. Look at what Jesus is saying. Look at what he's saying. The truth that he wants us to grasp, Jesus did not say. Now, notice what he didn't say. A mother's sorrow or pain is going to be replaced by joy. He said that sorrow was transformed into joy. The same baby that caused pain also causes joy. Do you guys see that? It's a transformation of the heart. This is also true in our lives. Why? Because I believe God takes seemingly impossible, even painful situations and he turns them he turns them into joy by transforming our heart the grace his grace transforms trial into triumph sorrow into joy 
transformation. If you're taking note, I want to give you an Old Testament principle. Deuteronomy 23 and 5 says, the Lord is speaking, nevertheless, your Lord, your God will not listen to Balaam, but the Lord, your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord God loves you. Isn't that a great verse to just hold on to? Right? I just love that. Why? Because it's transformation. It's transformation. Well, it goes on in verse 22. Jesus says, therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one can take for you. Can I get an amen on that one? Why is that such a great verse? Because in context, here's what I want you to see. Jesus is talking to his disciples, but it's a great verse for us to underline. Why? For us in the world, we will from time to time be sorrowful. We will be sad. There will be times in our lives when we will be lonely, when we will be hurt. But here's what he wants you to keep in mind. Keep in mind our hope is in God. That Jesus is coming back for us. You understand that. That's our hope. Jesus is coming. We're going to spend eternity with him. Transformation from the world will keep others from stealing our joy. Guys, you got to grasp that. You got to grasp that. Why? Because we often think of, of joy as being substituted, our sorrow is being substituted for something good. But joy comes when our hearts are transformed because now we go, oh, that's the truth. That's the truth. My joy is going to come because I have a different perspective. I have a heart that's different. I'm not, I'm not looking at it anymore. And then he illustrates that. Knowing point number two, then we see a promise to hold or a promise to believe in the name of Jesus. Jesus changes things. Look at verse 23. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you in a figurative language. But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in a figurative language. But I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I shall pray the, the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and believe that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. Wow. You go, what is that? Well, it's a promise to hold or a promise to believe in the name of Jesus. You go, what do you mean? Guys, you can put on top of the page in the Bible, this, this central theme is, is verses on prayer. He's talking about praying. Okay. It's important to note a couple of things. You go, what's that? Let me just do this. It's important. There are two different words for ask. If you look at the very first 23, he says, in that day you will ask. That's a different word. He says, you'll ask me nothing. But if you go on a little bit longer, he says, um, you ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say, whatever you ask the Father, that's a different Greek word. You go, what do they mean? Well, the first one really means to just request, to ask, to entreat. Hey, can I ask you a question? That's what it means. That's the first one. The second one means to beg, to call for, to desire, to request something from a superior. That's what it means. So it's funny that John uses and employs two different words. But here's what he wants us to see. He wants us to see that Jesus, guys, never used the latter in his prayer life. You go, why? Because he was equal with God. 
He didn't have to come begging from somebody who is a superior because he was equal with you. God, you go, well, how does that help me? Well, it's because there are times when people will go, well, Jesus really wasn't God. But if you study the scripture, he was. And everything he did pointed to the equality with God. And John starts off the gospel, right? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. That's what he's saying. And then verse 14, he says, and he became flesh and dwelt among us. This is what happened. And now Jesus never employs, I have to, he says, I just need to ask. I just need to ask. I just need, I just need to ask. You go, Ben, what's the promise to believe then? What, 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 What is the promise? Well, Jesus knew, guys, that the boys wanted to ask him a question. We see that in verse 19. And Jesus assures them that the day is coming that they wouldn't ask, but they would pray to the Father and that the Father would meet his needs. This is the promise they needed to hold on to. Why? In context, Jesus is leaving and they're going, well, how do we talk to God? I mean, we could come and ask you, but what what do we do now? And he says, he says, prayer is essential. Prayer is essential. You need to believe this. Well, Ben, what's the promise? Okay, jot this down. The Father loved them and would hear their requests and meet their needs. Right? That's the promise. When Jesus was on earth, guys, he provided all they needed. Follow me. There's food, whatever it might be. Now he's going back to the Father, and they needed a promise to believe. They needed to believe. Right? We can claim the same promise. That's what? That God loves us and he hears us when he prays. You need to understand that because the enemy's going to come and he's going to tell you God doesn't love you. If God loved you, you need to tell him you're a liar. Stop talking. Because he says if God loved us, then he's going to hear their request and he's going to meet their needs. Everybody say needs. Why is that important? Because oftentimes we want him to meet our wants. He's going to meet our needs. What basic need do we have? Food, clothing, and shelter. But we want him to meet our Christmas wish list. Our wants. Lord, how come this? And No, no, no. I mean, think about it. When you pray, I just know this. The closer you walk with God, I know that your, your desires change. Your desires change. God loves us, guys, and he hears us when we pray. That's the second thing. Do you know that when you talk to God, he actually hears you? you go, How does that work? I don't know. That's crazy. You see, because Anthony is praying at his house, and Paul and Lisa were praying at their house, and Scott, and he, I was praying at mine. How does he hear all of us? He does. He does. Check that out. And then the third thing, guys, is he meets our needs. He meets our needs through the wonderful power of prayer. That's a wonderful promise. He meets our needs. He meets our needs. So jot this down. Ready? Point number one, there is joy in prayer. We got that. Okay, Ben, you just talked about that. Number two, there is joy in the truth of transformation. Oh, I got that. Third point, guys. Jesus now shares a third kind of joy. What's that? Having the proper perspective. Having the proper perspective. We're going to find that in verses 29 through 33. Verse 29. His disciples said to him, See, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need of anyone should question you. 
By this, we believe that you have come forth from God. And Jesus answered, look at verse 31, guys. Do you believe? I find that, I just find that great. Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, and now has come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Guys, did you catch what just happened? You go, Pastor, I'm not sure. It's almost like the disciples now understand what Jesus, they're like, oh, we get it. We get it. <laughs> yeah. Now you're not talking in, in, in parables. We get it. And, and it's almost like they have now claiming this tremendous faith, right? That's what they're saying. They're like, check it out. They're like, oh, see now, Jesus, this is what we've been waiting for. You're not speaking in any figure of speech. Now we are sure, there's the faith, that you know all things and have no need of anyone to question you. By this, really, guys, we believe that you came forth from God. He's like, okay, okay, we get it, we get it. Ever been there? Ever been in a place where you feel just super confident and it's like you still don't get it? Because Jesus told Jesus, look, notice what he says. Jesus replies to them. Now, you got to understand, guys, I, I know... I know the Bible says that he was a man with sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we often think of Jesus as just, but I just think he smiles at them because when, when they don't get it, he looks at them and he says, but guys, listen, hold on, he, hold on. Lovingly, he says, the time is coming. Actually, it's now. What's that, Lord? You guys are going to be scattered. You guys are going to leave. You guys are going to, each to his own way, and you're going to leave me alone. He says, but I'm really not alone. Because the Father is with me. Guys, you, you think you get it, but you're going to leave me when it gets rough. When it gets hard. Of course, you and I know that that's what happened. We know in the Garden of Gethsemane, pff, Jesus was left alone, but he wasn't really alone because he had the Father. I guess the application for us at this point, guys, is, is, is the infinite value of who God is in our life. The infinite value. I was teasing, I'm really teasing, Joe and I were having a conversation this morning, and of course it is windy and cold, and I wondered how many would value their bed more than Jesus. I wondered how many would be like, oh, it's too cold or it's too windy. We, we should stay home. You see, and at this point in our lives, guys, as disciples, we have, to, we have to have that infinite value of God far above anything in our lives. That's the journey. That's, the, that's our destination. An infinite value. Listen, the things that God has here, the things that we have on earth, our wives and, and, and our families and, and the blessings, those are amazing. But the ultimate thing is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with Jesus forever, forever. And sometimes the enemy is real good by causing a delusion that life is so long here when it really compared to eternity, it's just about a, a blip. Just about a blip. We're gone. We're gone. You guys know this, if you're in any type of social media, you have friends that post 
about tragic situations where where a 22-year-old man died this past week in a car accident. And you're thinking, man, what a life cut short. And if it's not day after day, we don't read about somebody we love who's gotten cancer, who's fighting cancer, got something going on. The disciples right here, guys, I pray that 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 would not be us because we know they're going to scatter. We know John and Peter are the ones that are only going to follow him, but they're going to scatter and they're going to leave Jesus alone. And I want our infinite value that no matter what happened in our lives from here on out, that we wouldn't leave Jesus. And the problem is, church, is that our hearts are prone to wonder, is it not? Oh, we sit one day, God, I love you. I love you so much, God. I praise you, God. And then the next day, something gets really hard. And, and maybe in our minds and our hearts, we're going, God, why do you leave us? Why, why are you forsaken? Why, where are you? And I want to have the same attitude, the same perspective. Now, here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to close with verse 33. We're going to close our Bible study. Because Jesus gives us something pretty profound. Notice what he says. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Right? What, what, what jumps out in our text in this verse, guys, is the word peace. The Lord's like, guys, I've talked to you. Guys, so that you can have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation. He says, but be of good cheer. Now, remember, what is peace? Peace is not the absence of conflict. I just want peace in my life. It's not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of God in your life. It's the presence of God. And the presence of God only comes through transformation. How we need to truly understand what God is telling us. If you want joy and you want peace, it has something to do with the work of the Holy Spirit in transforming your life with the proper perspective. Why? Joy comes with the proper perspective. Guys, when we're in the world, when we're here, we're going to have what? We can have unbelievable peace and joy with the proper eyes. With the proper eyes, we can have that. The way you look at things the way you process things. That's going to make a difference. Because Jesus said, in me, in me, you can have peace. Remember, it's in Christ, right? As long as, if you want peace in your life, man, if you want peace in your marriage, abide in Jesus. If you want peace in your job, abide in Jesus. Pastor, I got fired. It's only an opportunity for God to do something greater in your life. It's perspective, guys. It's perspective. Pastor, that boy broke up with me. But praise God, he's making room for the right person in your life. Guys, just... It's proper perspective. I'll tell you another lie the devil gives us. 
But Jesus ain't coming back for another hundred years. Go do your thing. Sow your wild oats. Go get your stuff. Buy your house. Blah, 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 blah. Guys, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. We don't know. But perspective is this, right? Proper perspective. Grab this, okay? You need to plan your life. Plan your life like Jesus isn't coming back for 100 years. But you need to live your life like he's coming back in the next five seconds. That's perspective. Go ahead and plan. Buy the house. Get the job. Pay the bills. Have a great life. But live it. Live it every day that he could come back and take you home. Guys, we're in the world. We're, we're in the world. We will have tribulation. You need to expect it. You need to expect it. It's, it's pretty funny when you go, man, I didn't expect that. Why? You're in the world. Jesus said. But he also told us what? Be of good cheer. What he's saying here, guys, it's a word for courage in the face of danger. Where does courage come from? It comes from deep within. It doesn't come from deep within. Courage, guys, comes from those who support you and love you and is walking with you. Who does that every single day of your life? Oh, there's going to to be fear. There's going to be fear. He says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So here's my question to you. You ready? What is your deepest fear this morning? What is your deepest fear? What is the one thing that just renders you, man, just, what what is your deepest fear? Maybe this morning, guys, I I mean, think about it. What is your deepest fear? Is it dying? Is it losing your kids? Is it an emotional hurt, an emotional fear? Guys, we need to look at it through the eyes of Jesus And when you look at it through the eyes of Jesus, you will find that there's freedom in it. Maybe this morning, guys, the winds of change are blowing in your life to make that final change, to follow him, to completely surrender your life to him, to find rest for your weary soul. I pray. I pray, guys, that we could look deep into those fears with the eyes of Christ and say, no, you're not going to hold me anymore. I'm free. I'm free. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to fear because I've been transformed. I have the right perspective, and I got a promise to hold on to.
When I was 16 years old, my best friend was telling me about Jesus. And I thought it was the craziest thing. But at 16 years old, I began to hear the winds of change blow in my heart. And at 17, I surrendered my life to God. Father, if your Holy Spirit would come and bring the winds of change for eternal freedom, oh, how we welcome that. And we bow now in prayer and we thank you for your word. We thank you how you speak to us, Lord. Thank you, God, that joy doesn't come through substitution, but through transformation. Thank you. Thank you that joy and peace come through proper perspective. And so, Father, with every eye closed and every head bowed, we just humbly ask. We humbly ask for you to do a work in our hearts. The devil keeps trying to rob us of our joy. The world keeps trying to rob us of our joy, even us at times. So we wait patiently and ask with eager anticipation that you would do a work in our hearts. We thank you for your word, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.